Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm Rod. And if you are new with us this week, we wanted to say a big welcome. We are so excited to have you here. And for everyone tuning in, thank you. Yeah, we're journeying around the world in hopes to become a full-time travel journalist. I guess this would be our next job title. Yeah, so you guys are in along on our adventure and we're excited to share everything that we've learned along the way. Starting with today's episode, which is all about Bali. Yes, we had the best time there and can't wait to tell you about it. But before we get started, our little Santi always wants to contribute. So here's a little bit about his thoughts and facts on Bali. Hey guys, Santi here. Before my parents talk about Bali, I want to tell you five fun facts about the island. Fun fact number one, did you know that the water on Bali is home to over 3,000 types of fish? So cool! Fun fact number two, Balinese babies are considered little angels. They're not allowed to touch the ground. They must be so clean. Fun fact number three, the active volcano called Mount Agung is considered the holiest place in Bali. Fun fact number four, the island of Bali really depends on tourism. Over 80% of the economy is powered by tourism. Fun fact number five, this is my favorite one. Did you know that the world's most expensive coffee comes from Bali? It is actually made from civet poop. <laughs> How can it be so expensive? They're just poopy coffee beans. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my fun facts this week. And now, here's my appearance for the rest of the show. See you next time. We hope you guys loved hearing from little Santi. He gets so excited to record. But Bali has been a place that was on our list for a really long time, probably thanks to Instagram. We have seen so many posts from there that we were just so excited to get there and take pictures of our own and experience it. Yeah, we were so surprised we actually planned three weeks in Bali. Yeah, we were really excited. Indonesia is made up of a bunch of islands, so it's just one of the islands within the country. And we spent our first week there in Kuta Beach. It was an actually an awesome place to stay because we got really lucky that we found this Airbnb that was actually within a hotel compound. So that enabled us to pay a cheaper Airbnb rate while still enjoying all the amenities of the hotel, except for like room service. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and Kuta Beach is a pretty central area in terms of the things that are available. We're right next to the beach. We are really close to a whole bunch of restaurants and there's so many different places that we could kind of visit from there. So first impressions of Bali for us. First thing we noticed was that the people were extremely friendly. I mean, everywhere we went, everyone was smiling and very eager to engage with our kids, which was awesome. But we also noticed, which we weren't expecting, and it could just be because we went there during like the highest season of travel, but it was packed, and I don't think we expected it to be that crowded. Yeah, as soon as we showed up, there was traffic all over the place. There's a lot of people walking around, a lot of people on little scooters. So if anybody is planning a trip out to Bali, just remember that 
July and August are pretty much considered the high season there, and that's something that kind of caught us off guard. But still, extremely, extremely charming place. One of the other cool things that we saw initially was Bali is a very Hindu predominant uh, religious island. And one of the big traditions that they have there is every single day they put out a little offering. So it's like a little tiny basket made out of bamboo leaves, I think. And they put in different flowers, little flowers. Coins, cookies. And it's funny because the first day we got there, I, I didn't know this. So there was a lady going out to put out her offering and I like ran up and was like asking questions, wondering if this was some special event, asking if I could take a picture. And then I quickly realized that everyone does it every single day. So that was really cool to see just how big faith in culture is easy to witness there. So after our week in Kuta, we decided to drive in about an hour more to a central area of the island of Bali to a place called Ubud. We stayed about five minutes driving when there's no traffic distance. <laughs> Very important <laughs> when there's uh, no traffic. Distance just outside of the, the central kind of main part of Ubud in a villa. Uh, villas are very popular in Bali. It's really affordable to go there and rent, you know, one bedroom, two bedroom villas that are either right in town or right outside town. And we were very charmed by this villa that we stayed at. It was a two bedroom one. We had plenty of space for us, for the kids. They cooked breakfast for us every morning. We had a pool there and we had a great view of the rice paddies and a good view of uh, Mount Agung, the volcano that's on he talked about earlier uh, when it wasn't hazy out so and you can get a nice villa in bali anywhere from like 40 to 100 dollars a night just check out airbnb and even if you go and you want to secure a long-term rental you can go and rent a place out for a week and then there's a lot of places that are marketed and advertised there that doesn't really get on Airbnb. So you can work out a more local price, too. Or if you want to get the best deal, you um, book for three to four weeks and typically they'll give you 50 percent off. So sometimes even if you don't plan to stay the full time, you can end up allowing yourself some flexibility and paying mm -hmm. about the same price. Yeah. So why did we go to Ubud? We... Wanted to be pretty central because there's a lot of different destinations that we wanted to see that were either within Ubud or about an hour to hour and a half drive even farther up north. The first one of these that we went to was the Tagalalong Rice Terrace. These are the really vertical looking kind of rice fields that you see, at least on Instagram. It's pretty famous. Just seeing how large it was was really impressive. I mean... It was kind of difficult with little kids, and not with Santi. Santi loved it. He thought it was a cool adventure. Mm -hmm. With a younger kid, it's a lot of stairs, and it's kind of muddy and slippery. So I'd recommend, if you have a little one, to take a baby carrier and wear your child. We definitely still had fun. It didn't prevent us from not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. But there's some pretty like steep drop-offs on some of the levels, so it's like a four- to five-foot drop. So you just have to be careful with your little ones that they don't wander. Yeah, one of the big recurring themes for all of these destinations that we went through is we tended to go in the morning because yeah. being high season, having a lot of people there, we noticed that if you're getting somewhere past 10 a.m., you're going to be within a crowd, huge crowds of people that are going to all of these different locations. Another thing to note that we heard some people, I guess not enjoying as much is that at to go along you can walk through these patties you should pay an entrance fee to get in 
But then once you pay your entrance fee and you're there, some of the locals set up these little, like, almost like walking toll booths. They just put like a bamboo stick in front of the path and are like, you must pay to continue. And I know some people were turned off by that, but I also, I guess, encourage you to think positively in the fact that these rice fields are like a way for them to make money. And now they have hundreds, if not thousands of tourists a day trekking through these fields, probably ruining some of their crops. And so they still have to sustain themselves. They still have to live. It's seriously like 10 cents or 25 cents a toll booth. So just know that you're probably going to spend anywhere from like 3 to $5 more. One of the other adventures that we had while we were in Ubud, well, actually it wasn't in Ubud. It was about an hour and a half northwest. It was a floating temple. It was called Ulundanu Baratan. And we found out about it just by looking at some of the pictures. And it's this kind of temple that's out in the water of this big lake. And it is gorgeous. We got so lucky because we show up and we walk in to the courtyard of this temple, I would say. Mm-hmm. And right then, all of a sudden, drums started and like this parade started. And we had no clue what was going on. And so we started to talk to the locals and ask. And it was an outside village was coming to Ulundano Temple to give their offering to this larger temple. And it was such a cool experience to witness. And we couldn't really understand how often it happens, but we just felt so fortunate to be there and be there early in the morning. It happened at like nine. So to be there right when it happened. And at that time, there really weren't any tourists. It Mm -hmm. was just us pretty much. And this local village going to give their offering. And it was really beautiful. And I think the cutest part was, is in this parade of people coming in, there was kids about Santi and Nora's age. And they were all traditionally dressed in their Balinese attire. And, you know, Santi's looking at them. They're looking at Santi. And next thing you know, they asked if they could take pictures of Santi, which we thought was funny because, I mean, we thought they looked so beautiful in their traditional clothes. So the fact that they wanted pictures of Santi, but they ended up, the kids played together and were like chasing each other through this courtyard. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like everyone was just loving seeing the mix of our culture and their Mm -hmm. culture not speaking the same language. There was very little understanding amongst the kids. But yeah, they but they were still laughing, tag. running around, playing tag. They were like fake fighting. They were chasing each other around. It was beautiful to see. And we actually got to befriend the family and we are still, you know, keeping in touch with them on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. But it was nice just to know, I feel like that's the one beautiful part of traveling with kids is I backpacked a lot prior to this. And yeah, I met a lot of other backpackers, but I felt like locals didn't go out of their way sometimes just to talk to me. But when you travel with kids, it's like this, I don't know, it's this bridge. It's just people connect people with People are way kids. more open to talking to you when you have kids. Maybe it's just because they can relate or they just want to see kind of what your kids do in this environment. (laughs) But But the kids is like a huge door opener for us to meet locals. And so that's been really, really cool. And so we had a really fun experience at Lundano Temple. And on the other side of the spectrum, it's not really the other side, but it's just different, different experience. (laughs) One of the most touristy things that we did. We've ever done. Yeah, that we've (laughs) ever done was we went to this place called Bali Swing. And if you go on Instagram and you just search Bali Swing, you will see this gigantic kind of swing swing overlooking this cliff with a a little river and a waterfall under it. And uh, Jess just, you know, she knew that she wanted a picture 
It goes back more <laughs> than that. Story. It's not just a picture. So it goes back to the fact that when we first got on Instagram, this was about two years ago. This was one of the first pictures I saw. And I remember thinking, gosh, that looks amazing. And I dream of being there one day. And then as we decided, you know, we're going to really pursue this jet setting family thing, I saw more pictures of Bali swing and I told myself, I'm going to be there one day. So it was one of those moments where it was super touristy, but it was like, I made it and I'm on this swing and I'm proud. So it was like a moment of triumph more than like just the picture. (laughs) Granted, I'd also on Instagram had seen all these pictures of people in these bird nests and me being this optimist who can be naive at times thought, oh, Bird nest in Bali are equivalent to like hammocks in Mexico. They're just going to be all over this island for me to hang out in. And that's not the case. (laughs) So in order to take a bird nest picture, you must pay a crazy fee for an Indonesia. It was $35 a person, which for we actually only paid for the two of us because the kids couldn't go on any of the swings anyway since they were too, you had to get strapped in. We took the picture, but we did write a blog post. You can find it on our blog, thejetsettingfamily.com about our experience there and how, I don't know, it just, it wasn't that it was bad. It was that, I guess in my head, what I envisioned the experience to be wasn't what it actually was. And I kind of wish I had known that more going into it so that I didn't have this grand illusion. It felt very artificial. And really the entire purpose of this was so you can get your one minute ride through your through the swing. But thankfully, it also included this little walk down the cliffside where you can actually go to the river and the waterfall. And there's a restaurant there. There's some open space there. And and there's there's a a pool pool there. And that is really what made that worth it for us. That is the silver lining to the Bali swing, at least for families, is it's not all about the swings or the nests. And we also noticed that since so many people dress up and do their hair and wear these dresses for these Instagram pictures, nobody wanted to swim. So if you go, like we did, all grunged out, and as a family, (laughs) you will be the only person in the pool, (laughs) because we didn't really care. And that was pretty awesome. We had the whole place to (laughs) ourselves. Yeah. One place that we did not have all to ourselves was the Ubud Monkey Forest. Because we were surrounded by monkeys. <laughs> it's cute, cheeky, and sneaky little monkeys. Not oh. all of them were cute. Some of them were kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> so here are the tips for Monkey Forest, just so you know. Don't take food at all because they might jump on you and... They will find your food and they will steal it. Yes. No joke. They Even will if find that it. means jumping on your head. So don't take food. We did not take food, but other people did. And I would have been scared. <laughs> don't even take a bag. Unfortunately, a lot of people take food in their backpacks. So now the monkeys associate backpacks with food. So they'll even try to like steal your purse or your bag. So we literally went just us. They also say, don't look a monkey directly in the eyes, which I feel like you kind of just do anyway. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like natural. When you're looking at a monkey, if they look at you, then it's kind of awkward to just turn away, no? (laughs) That was a rule, though, and Santi was so paranoid about it. He kept, like, looking at the floor. He's like, I can't look at the mom. I'm like, no, you have to. Like, the point of being here is to look at the monkey. One of the things that I do want to address is... A lot of people think that the monkeys are dangerous and they will attack your kids. 
we did not have that kind of feeling. Um, I think as long as you follow the rules, you'll see the the signs at the very beginning that I'll tell you all these things about the food, about not looking them in the eye, about not touching them. Uh, So as long as you follow those rules and you tell your kids to follow those rules, then they should be generally pretty safe. What was really surprising about Monkey Forest is how beautiful it actually is. Like, I wish we would have spent more time there. We didn't budget enough time there because... I think we just thought we were going to go into this foresty area and see monkeys, but there's temples Mm -hmm. within it. There's waterfalls. I mean, it was beautiful. And it's very close. It's right in the center of town in Ubud. So if you're staying inside Ubud, you can pretty much walk there. It was generally, or it's very cheap too. It was about $3 a person for entry. There's a really cool cafe also right in front of it called Habud. Yeah, it's It's a a co-working space. So if anybody's a digital nomad that is considering Bali and trying to work and live on the road. Hubud is this area where a lot of different kind of online entrepreneurs and other people that have remote jobs are going into and just sharing tips and you get a view of the monkeys as well because it's right outside the monkey forest. They will come in the cafe and try to steal your food and they kept coming up and trying to steal our food when we went there. Rod and I went to work one day there and the lady, like the cafe owner, finally gave us this big bamboo stick to like shake at them <laughs> every time they came to our table. So it was funny. Speaking yeah. of funny stories, I'm, I'll put this one in. So in Bali, everyone's on a moped and everyone's on a motorbike. It's like the way to get around Bali. And it probably would have saved us a lot more time had we just done that rather than taking taxis because... Side note, you shouldn't really take a Grab or Uber, like a Grab, which is Uber in Bali. It's really frowned upon and there's a lot of issues with it. So we have to take a taxi or a motorbike and they're really cheap to rent. It's like $5 a day Mm -hmm. to rent a motorbike. So Ron and I were like, you know, we should just rent this motorbike so that we can get to to this Hubud cafe every day to work if we could. Because we had a babysitter at the villa who charged hourly. We're like, we'll get away and work so that we can deliver this podcast to all of you. So I'm like, sweet. You know, I rode a motorcycle when I was younger. I love jet skis. We're good. So I get on this moped. This guy, you know, we pay him and he hands me the keys. I get on it. And I don't know (laughs) what I was thinking. I thought a moped would be super easy to drive. I literally almost ran Rod over. Yeah, it reminded me of a time that we went on a jet ski together. And Jess on a jet ski, she just tends to just crank the handle all the way to full speed. And I, I don't it. know what she was thinking about the mopeds. Like, oh, I'm on a I'm on a moped ski and I'm just going to crank it all the way. And I was standing in front of her just like, hey, make sure that you don't hit this wall. I'm going to stand in front of this wall because I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I would stop you if you like rolled into it. You did. <laughs> yeah. And that was nuts. That was nuts. <laughs> so yeah, no more mopeds for Jess for a while, but it's really cheap. It's only $5 a day. And yeah, thank God I didn't kill Rod so that we are here today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also something, you know, as we talked about for us, some of our values as we travel is meeting people, which we discussed earlier. And another huge one is service. We really love the idea of giving back in different countries we go to. And so we really try to be careful with where we give back. We've heard stories that giving money to different organizations sometimes is abused and ends up hurting the children more than helping. So we tried to really research where we were going to go. And we had found a place that was willing to let us come in and spend time with the children there. And that was the Taman Permata Hati Children's Center. 
and it was right in Ubud. It was actually right next to the Monkey Forest. And their center was beautiful. It was called an orphanage center. Um, the orphanage there has a little bit different meaning, unlike, you know, where in the West we kind of think that the kids live there. These children actually did have homes, whether it was a single family home, a single parent home, or a foster home. They didn't live at the center, but it was a place for if a parent had passed away and they had a single parent raising them who was a field worker and didn't have the means to provide them after school activities or even basic needs for them to go after school. And the center provides extracurricular activities. Santi got to participate with the kids in music and dance classes. And we were there primarily to teach some English English lessons. Yeah, so they um, have their English lessons are volunteer-based. So different volunteers that come in can teach English. Their other extracurricular activities, it's actually locals who teach them. So they're regularly scheduled. Mm -hmm. And they were really excited. So on their breaks, they actually have a computer class as well. Yep. So um, on their break, some of these kids would sneak into the little computer class and they'd watch YouTube videos. And so when they found out um, that they could be on our YouTube videos, they were really excited. (laughs) (laughs) We hope they enjoyed being on it, too. Yeah, it was it was just really fun to hang out with them. And we really enjoyed our time there. Santi got to play soccer with them a lot, which he loved. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And it was a really good feeling to know that we got to give back while there. And that wraps it up for our time in Bali. Coming up next week, we actually interviewed the family that we met up with while we were there. They are Kiwis in bare feet. They are teachers abroad and they've been living outside of New Zealand, which is their their home since 2014. They have with a their daughter. cute two-year-old and they've been all over the world, she over 40 so countries. <laughs> she is only two years old and been in over 20 countries already. So it's amazing. We're excited to show you that interview next week. In terms of our adventures, we are headed to Singapore for a couple of days. Uh, we've heard Singapore is one of the more advanced cities one of the more expensive places in the world too we just but got one here. of the most efficient locations in the world so we're excited to explore and see uh, what we can do as a family for the next couple of days and if you want to keep following along on our adventures you can always check us out on social media you can find us at the jet setting family on instagram facebook and youtube or you can check out our blog at www.thejetsettingfamily.com and if you ever have any questions, you can always reach out to us by emailing hello at thejetsettingfamily.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we would also really appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. That would help us out to make sure that our show can reach more listeners and we can grow and help out and connect more people. Or leave feedback. If there's something you don't like, let us know so we can improve it. Send us a message on Instagram or email us, hello at thejetsettingfamily.com. We are so excited to be able to connect with you as well and answer any questions that you might have about Bali, about travel, about the whole process of selling everything to travel the world. And it's important you engage because as we said... We love meeting people along the way. Every city we've been to so far, we have met someone Mm -hmm. from Instagram who follows us. So engage with us and maybe one day we'll meet you. Yeah. (laughs) The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. So once again, thank you for listening to this episode and we hope to see you next week. But until then, happy happy jet setting. setting.
If you're enjoying the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast but can't get enough episodes to fill your commute, check out the Globetrotter Lounge Podcast. Host Jet Set Lissette is a travel hacker who has saved over $85,000 in travel costs by racking up airline miles and hotel points. She is dedicated to inspiring women from all walks of life to travel more by providing valuable tips, resources, and insight from seasoned travelers. She believes that if you want to get to your bucket list destination, then you need to start taking concrete steps no matter how small. Hearing how others have successfully made travel a priority is just a great way to get ideas and stay motivated. The Globetrotter Lounge podcast will help you become the Globetrotter you have always wanted to be. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 